So I always go Mexican when I say gay for Goh. some reason. Goh. <laughs> Goh. <laughs> Goh. Oh, that reminds me of that new Van Gogh film, uh, Loving Vincent, that's coming out soon. Really? I haven't heard There's, of that one. Oh, mate, uh, look up the trailer when you get a chance. They have 500 or 600 animators yeah. painting out paintings because every single individual frame of the film is a Van Gogh-style painting. It's like an animation. That actually sounds really cool, that does. It's so beautiful. Just look at the yeah. trailer. It's so beautiful to look at, but it's obviously a lot of work because every single second is a painting in itself. Yeah. And it's a feature link, so obviously it's gonna, that's a wow. ton of work. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah, but it's so beautiful to look at. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to search that one out. Do, do, do. Yeah. No, I love that kind of animated stuff. Mm. Well, you've never seen anything like this. It's, yeah. It's uh, probably probably a few films have tried it, but not as long as... And it's the actual story of Vincent as well, so it's lovely. Cool. I do, I do like his life story. He's an interesting man. Yeah. Especially interesting period as well, actually. Yeah. Like, a very tortured guy, wasn't he? Very. But I think that's what made him such a romantic character as well. Yeah. You know, if he'd had an easy life, then, you know, you wouldn't care as much, really, would you? No, but... I, I like I like the story about his ear as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, prostitutes have probably received many things. Oh yeah, of course. But anyway, so, that, that's that's special. That's dedication. But wasn't it for someone? Wasn't it for his friend? It was for a lady friend of his. I yeah, think. I still don't quite remember how she took it, but I'm I'm sure she was very flattered. Yeah. So yeah. you know, she probably had it in a soup or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always um, like that joke about. This woman likes Mr. Sainsbury's tongue insider. Mr. Sainsbury's tongue insider. You know, it's food tongue insider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tongue insider, yeah. I always like that one. That's good, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, what, I, I tell you what, I was watching last night, I was watching an old episode of Have I Got News For You. Oh, yeah. And I think it, they were suggesting that, because you know, one of the Teletubbies got sacked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wait, no, wait. What? Um, the, the original. Tinky Winky. For being gay? No, uh, well, he he got sacked for acting the part as being gay, apparently. With a handbag. And... Yeah, and stuff like that. And, yeah, they, they basically said he was, like, not interpreting the role right. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was all him. That was, that was all hi- just him thinking, yeah, I'll bring this red bag as my toy. Yeah, and um, apparently one of his chat-up lines I've heard was, do you want some Teletubby custard? <laughs> oh. Can you imagine hearing that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you do you realise how special it is to be able to say that and yeah. actually mean it? You know, yeah. oh, legend. So, would would you be like, would you be disgusted or flattered if someone said that to you, mate? I fucking used to love Tubby Custard. Yeah. That shit looked delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- Tubby Toasties as well. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, mate, 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 I, I would be. I, I would get pull a sickie off school or something, <laughs> yeah. and I would, uh, you know, obviously it would be early in the morning. So you'd be yeah. like, all right, fuck it, let's let's have a look at what's on the TV. Nothing, uh, nothing good's on. So you put obviously you put on Teletubbies because yeah. fuck it, why not? Okay, you're not going to watch the news at that age and, no. and um and it's just then it's like mush for your mind and yeah. your mind at that point in the day your mind just can't take serious shit anyway yeah and you see that stuff you're like oh yeah fucking love tubby toasties <laughs> mate i love a bit of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. no, mouthful of telly tubby custard oh licking it all up yeah in my be- it's in my beard <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a bit on the side of your mouth and stuff when like it, that. Yeah, <laughs> when it's a hot day, I just like to squirt it all over my face. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I remember because um, when I was a kid, I used to. I, I think they all had their individual toy, right? Like yeah. I think one had a ball, one had a uh, a hat. No, yeah, one of them had a fucking Jamiroquai hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the cow stuff, and and obviously Winky had a. A handbag, and I, I did think at the time, like, oh, he's a, you know, he's he's quite keen. Look at him with yeah. his handbag, you know. He's, you know, he's playing around, and no, it didn't cross my mind that it was an agenda or something, you know. Yeah. And then when he got in trouble, and it went to Parliament, I think in the Blair government, you thought to yourself, well, shit, this is serious shit, you know. Like yeah. they're talking about the Teletubbies in the Houses of Lords. Yeah. Um, it's like because uh, one of those American preachers, he managed to uh, watch it or something, and he, and yeah, he said um, that. Tinky Winky was trying to spread a gay agenda or something like that. <laughs> well, give give props to him. He managed to watch it all. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, because that, that shit, is, it's, it's, it's the same shit all the time. You're not missing anything. So, well done to him. But, uh, he, oh, I, lo- I do love my American evangelists. You know? Yeah. Oh, they, they are the best, they're aren't lovely they? people. Lovely people. And you always get the best kind of, uh, no sarcasm here, you always get the best... Um, entertainment value out of them yeah, bringing down the brimstone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. They're always good to laugh at, I find. I I miss that time where they would go all hell and brimstone about absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, oh, fuck Harry Potter. Don't you, don't you talk about that Harry Potter! You know, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, that's a devil's work. That's yeah. a devil's juice. You know, I love that stuff, man. I love how they managed oh. to find the most innocent thing and they could turn it into kind of some, yeah. it was some agenda or something like that. Yeah, uh, guns are all right, though. Don't yeah. worry about that. They yeah. ain't dark magic. That's just cruel science. Yeah. Religion's always been that in the middle of the road area between magic and science. Yeah. Where, you know, and they condemn the other two as well, so... Yeah. Which is, which is even better. So I just, I just love it when they... You know, they find something <laughs> yeah. to, to get crazy about. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I love it when they say, oh, oh that, that's unbelievable. Like, you do. You yeah. realise your <laughs> genesis is, like, God managed to create all these, like, animals and stuff like that. So it all just, you know, suddenly popped up. <laughs> uh, it, it, it did occur to me, like, you know, there was that whole debacle a while back where people were actually accusing them of being a bit small-minded by not introducing condoms as or downgrading them but then i thought to myself thinking back through history well there was a you know god was a burning bush so you know there's always been that sort of std reference yeah. within the bible anyway so yeah maybe maybe it's it's part of the religion itself you know yeah. it's the way to learn you know yeah you need a good cream for burning bush wouldn't you or something like that. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, we call that Satan, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, all this symbolism. Oof. Oof. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, I wonder what these evangelicals would make of Anusol. Oh, come stuff. on. I, even if it was like a, a make of holy water or something, there would be outrage. No, you can't, you can't talk about anything to do with the butt, okay? Yeah. Satan's alley. <laughs> Satan's alley, <laughs> <laughs> the devil's the devil's backbone, the devil's alley. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, let's talk about some sinners today, shall we? Sinners, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a segue, I guess. I just I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I think it'll work. It'll work. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's difficult to segue into this one, to be fair. I, I just didn't know how we are going to get to Dark. Oh, fuck, I was on Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think. Oh shit! Oh yeah, cutting ear, cutting on. Yeah. Oh bollocks! Oh wow, the sinners one was just as good. Uh, went on to the fucking evangelist for a while. Jesus. Yeah, and Tinky. Well, we got Tinky Winky in there. At least we could say we talked about him. Yeah, I mean it's always a pleasure to talk about Tinky Winky. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a pleasure, isn't it? A bit of tubby custard here and there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Yeah. No, we can be covered in tubby custard another day. <laughs> we'll have to uh, to compromise. I mean, you know what? Because um, we always end up talking about paedophiles and Savile. <laughs> Maybe to, to keep Tom happy, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll start talking about tubby custard instead. And yeah, really expressing our love for it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh. Yeah, that'll make us look a lot better. It will, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. child's at heart. You know. Yeah, that's what makes it all right for us to talk about Jimmy Savile, you see. But because of our child's yeah, at heart. Because the child's at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not like we're 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 thirty nine year olds going, cool. You know, if he'd done this right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he'd just escaped them there, <laughs> we could have had a good old time. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to start? Uh, I, I guess uh, I know more about it. I guess. Yeah, you probably do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do. Okay, well, well, I'm going to start by saying what happened, kind of. I'll give a bit of background on. So, shortly before noon, yeah, shortly before noon on August the 4th, 1892, so it's a long time ago, the body of Andrew Borden, a prosperous businessman, was found in the parlour of his Fall River, Massachusetts home. As neighbours and police and doctors arrived at the scene. The body of his wife, Abby Borden, was also discovered in an upstairs bedroom. How did they get to this point? Well, I'm going to reveal all now. I'm going to give you a little story here about Andrew Borden. Andrew Borden was a wealthy man, although this had not always been the case. As a young man, he had struggled financially. This was despite, despite the fact that he was descendant of wealthy and influential local residents. But he did eventually find success through the sales of furniture and caskets, so it's your kind of guy. Oh, yeah, of course. He also went on to become a successful property developer. He uh, directed several textile mills, which were quite famous in those days, I guess. He also owned considerable commercial property. He was also uh, the president of the Union Savings Bank and director of the Durfee Safe Deposit, I think that is. Yeah, at his time of death, his estate was valued at $300,000, which is equivalent today of $7,900,000. So this guy is quite rich. He's, a, he's pretty bloody got his finger in everything, isn't he? Yeah. The reason why this is important and why I went into all that is because despite this wealth, he was known for being very frugal, so he didn't spend hardly any money apparently his house had literally no indoor plumbing that was how cheapskate he was he would not spend money on plumbing all his houses were like well no he only had one house but his one house was close to all his businesses and that meant he lived quite close to industrial areas whereas a lot of the other kind of rich people were living in 
different areas far away from the industrial areas. So, in a way, you could say, you know, that's kind of positive thing in a way. He's like, he's not afraid of living near those industrial areas. Some people can be quite snobbish about that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's true. But I guess, it, you know, if you, you're more interested in economically saving yourself. Yeah, but I think. This life was perhaps a little bit difficult on his two daughters. Of course. For Lizzie Borden, she, um, they had quite a religious upbringing in some ways. They attended the Central Congregational Church, and they were like involved in many activities related to the church. So like, in many ways, they were quite upstanding members of the community. So this murder was quite shocking in a way for the community. Abby, who I mentioned earlier, was Lizzie's stepmother. And it's believed they had a less than cordial relationship. Oh, dear. Yeah, with Lizzie believing that Abby was after her father's money. Oh. What also, I think, soured the relationship was the fact that Abby's family also received expensive gifts from Andrew. And the sisters were not too happy about this. And uh, they demanded and received a rental property, which turned out to be the house that they'd lived in until their mother died. They purchased this property for $1, which I kind of find interesting. That's rather cheap. Bloody hell, yeah. Yeah. But um, they subsequently sold it back to their father for $5,000 shortly before his death. So I think... Fucking hell. They're insinuating there might be something strange there going on. Yeah. Of course, they, they might be also quite uh, money-savvy like him. Yeah. But to Philip Green's standards, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, something's going on here. Yeah, that's making quite a profit as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's not something to shake a stick at back in those days. Yeah, also, I would have thought... The, the dad, considering he was so money-savvy, it's mm. a bit weird that you'd sell it for $1 and then buy it back for 5000 Unless he wanted to help them out, but then, yeah. then you just say, just give him the money then, you know, you, I don't know, there's maybe some sort of contract clause he was involved in with the stepwife or something. Yeah. His way of getting the daughters the money to make sure they had it. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's a bit it's a bit, there's unusual things going on here, and, and um, one of the housemates who kind of turns out to be slightly important later on is called Bridget Sullivan she's uh, I think an Irish immigrant so uh, she turns out to be a bit of a kind of suspect later on in some well more uh, later on in like it's a theory that's proposed later on rather than actually at the time so she testified to the fact that Lizzie and, and her sister Emma they very rarely like ate dinner or stuff like that with her her pet, their parents and their step parents. So, and there have been quite a lot of family arguments recently. And at one point, uh, the two sisters had even taken extended vacations, apparently. And one thing that had happened that apparently had quite upset Lizzie and was perhaps for some people was considered a sign of her mental instability. Andrew had found pigeons in the barn. And he'd gone and basically shot and killed them. It turned out that um, Lizzie had built a roost for these pigeons and she was quite attached to them, I think. And so when her father kind of just killed these pigeons, it's quite upsetting for her. And I think it suggested, from what I can tell, that she was didn't really have a very close relationship with her father. And she was, although it sounds like she was definitely closer to her mother from what I can tell. Right. Oh, well, the, the original mother. Yeah, the original mother, yeah. her biological mother. So, yeah, and 
obviously um, like these gifts as well to Abby's family. I, I can imagine that kind of grating a bit. On the night before the murders, her uncle, who was her mother's brother, John Morse, visited and he was invited to stay for a few days to, to discuss business with Andrew. Some people have suggested that there may have been tensions between John Morse and Andrew. So they're suggesting there might be something there. What's also interesting is just before the murders was the whole family had been violently ill. Now, some people suggested that this uh, close to family suggested it was just some food that had been kind of left on the stove or something like that. Yeah. Because they used to do that, I think, a lot in the old days. You'd kind of make food last. Sometimes it'd go out of date or something like that, I guess. Mm. But obviously it's, uh, it depends on the food itself. And also, uh, especially just before these things started happening, it is a bit like, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely be a way of killing them off, wouldn't yeah. it? That's what you all think. So Yeah. Now, would, would Lizzie Bowden also get ill? Yes, I think she was also ill as well. Uh-huh. So whether that was kind of some kind of disguise, cover. though, kind of Yeah, thing. cover up. Yeah, um, and it's true that apparently Abby had feared poisoning because Andrew Borden apparently was not a popular man in his community. There's talk about, like, shady deals and stuff like that, and the, the how he got his money is questioned a little bit. So uh, what's also interesting in the whole poisoning thing is that one of the reasons why people suspect Lizzie so much was that she had attempted to buy some kind of poison. So in those days, they would they would actually record not just people that have made a sale, but people that attempted to buy stuff as well. Yeah. And when you say attempted, that means she was turned away? or Yeah, she got rejected. Yeah, because even then, though, she weren't just allowed to kind of pick yeah. up what you had to have, like, good reason, stuff like that for it. It's not exactly uh, Shakespeare times. No, yeah. Just pick it off the short counter, you know. Yeah. Prussic acid, apparently it's called. I'm not sure if that's how you say it right. But, yeah, it's it's a really... It's a highly poisonous liquid, so it's not saying even in them days she'd just be selling to anybody. That is suspicious. Particularly the police officers. They were absolutely convinced of her guilt. They saw this as kind of pretty strong reasons. The so. one to end all. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to go on to how they were murdered. Abby was murdered first, I f- we think. She uh, was cleaning the guest rooms, which... Interesting was actually one of Lizzie and Emma's regular chores, but because John Morse, her brother, had been staying, um, her not her brother, but yeah, their uncle, he'd slept in the room the previous night, and Abby had gone up to make the bed. She was struck on the side of the head um, with a hatchet, um, which cut her just above the ear. Interesting, going on to Van Gogh. Uh, this caused her to turn and fall face down on the floor. So if you can imagine that in, like, a film, it feels like really slow motion, that does. Yeah, her, her killer is then assumed to have sat on her, on her back, delivering 19 direct hits to the back of her head. So that, yeah, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> Moving on to Andrew now, we don't know precisely what really happened, in a way. After breakfast, Andrew and Morse went to the sitting room where they chatted for about an hour... John Morse then went on to relative uh, visit a relative while um, Andrew went for his usual morning walk. Um, there was, like, something weird that happened when he got back is a key wouldn't open the door. So there was something apparently a bit suspicious, I think, possibly going on there. It's a bit unusual. 
when he got in, Lizzie stated that she'd helped him remove his boots and helped him into his slippers before lying down on the sofa for a nap. She informed Bridget Sullivan about a department store sale and uh, she she allowed Bridget to go if she wanted to, but Bridget felt unwell, so she took a nap instead. Now, Lizzie claims she was in the barn looking for iron or some tin to fix a door, but uh, she says she remained in the loft for 20 to 30 minutes eating pears. Police think that this was um, not very believable because apparently the heat in this loft would have been too much to stay there for as long as she says. So already people aren't really believing what she's saying. Mm, She's kind of digging her own grave here. Yeah. Now, her own testimony is a bit weird here because she contradicts herself a lot. She says that she either came in because she heard some distress call or she heard a scream or she heard some kind of noise, grunting noise coming from inside. But she then later claimed that she heard no noise and that she just went back in the house and just happened to discover her father dead, you know, on the sofa. Apparently she'd called up to Bridget Sullivan and rather calmly just said, Maggie, come quick, father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. It's a bit, it sounds a bit calm to me, like, yeah. If it was like, me, I'd be like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Rehearsed, yeah. yeah. Andrew was found slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting room. He'd been struck 10 or 11 times with a hatchet-like weapon, so guessing probably a similar hatchet to the one that killed Abby. Yeah, and one of his eyeballs had actually been split cleanly in two, which suggests he'd been asleep when he was attacked. It had been quite recent, apparently, because the wounds were still bleeding, so... Uh, yeah, it, so it had to have happened while uh, um, Lizzie claimed she was out in the loft somewhere. Or while um, this um, Bridget Sullivan was taking a nap. Also, um, John Morse, as as we know, he was apparently out visiting a relative. Emma, who was the sister, she was apparently, she had an alibi, she was somewhere else. And this might come like a little bit more important later on. Yeah, so as I said... She apparently, when Andrew had come back, she apparently, she claimed that Andrew had asked her where Abby was and she claimed that Abby had gone out to visit a sick relative or something like that. And this is kind of important because the police later on asked her where Abby was and she claimed that her stepmother had received a note telling her to visit a sick friend. And what's kind of weird is that she states she kind of believes that Abby had returned, but she didn't really know for sure. And so she sent some of the housemates to look for Abby. And apparently it's at this point that they find Abby dead. And they're walking up the stairs. And as their eye level becomes level with the floor, they find Abby there lying face down on the floor. As I said earlier, the police pretty much convinced of her guilt quite early on. Apparently her attitude was just too calm and poised. But what's interesting is, despite not really liking her attitude and stuff like that, they don't really actually bother to, like, check for bloodstains or anything like that. They apparently searched her room, but it was apparently just actually just looking around, not actually proper ha- having a proper detailed search. And apparently the reason why they didn't do this was because Lizzie wasn't feeling too well. So, yeah, the police were criticised a bit for 
for not really doing their job properly there. Which, I mean, it, even in those times, you know, you, there were still certain rules that you meant to follow, so it did sound like they're being a bit slack there. Yeah, and apparently uh, in the basement, the police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle. The hatchet head was in particular suspected as being the murder weapon, as the brake looked like it had been fresh. And apparently also it had ash and dust um, on the head as well. But they felt that had been put there to deliberately make it look like it had been in the basement for some time, to make it yeah. look as if it basically hadn't been used for a while. So sure. if, if that's true, that that's kind of it's reasonably clever in a way. It is. It's not necessarily it is, something I'd think of. The scary thing is there's forethought in it. Yeah. So it's obviously something that's been going around their mind for a while. Yeah. In those days, you know, preparation like that, it's not as simple as just ordering off the internet either. The, so yeah. uh, the scary thing is this is someone who's, you know, sure of what they want to do and is going to great lengths to do it. And it presents a scary character. But then again, you know, it's still a suspect. It's not fully thought of as this person definitely is the one doing it. Yeah, I definitely suggest, like, the murder was premeditated. It wasn't kind of a, you know, heat of the moment kind of thing. So it's kind of, it's like, um, you know, the whole, uh, is it the battered woman-like syndrome kind of thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Where it's because a lot of like the battered women, they when they murder their husbands, it is often quite premeditated. So it's whether it's something like going on like that there, possibly. Because obviously you've got your build up to it. And yeah. So you've got so you know. Yeah. Yeah. What was also interesting, an officer who stayed the night um, after the bodies were found discovered Lizzie in the basement, and she was bent over one of the buckets or pails, I think it's called. Yeah. Containing her parents' bloody clothing. Oh, great. No, um, <laughs> and this action was, was never explained, so... But, but he just found her bent over Yeah. It, just not saying anything, just looking at it? Yeah, and... Or, or is, she, is she high or something? He yeah. just didn't react to him? Yeah, and... What the fuck? Yeah, apparently he didn't really do much about this either. <laughs> didn't say, hey, by the way, you're acting fucking strange. <laughs> you know, like, what the hell? Yeah, also, I mean, that's probably evidence in some way, I guess. In the what case. a shitty police officer. Yeah, what's interesting, apparently, is John Morse also, he stayed at the house, and some people suggested he stayed in the murder room. But apparently this isn't true. He did actually stay in the attic guest room, which isn't the guest room where people were murdered. Um, What's also interesting is when John Morse left the house, and this is a testament to how this murder had had an impact on the community, he was swamped by hundreds of people, and he had to literally be escorted back to the house. Shit. um, Because, yeah, it already caused quite a fuss, this murder. It wasn't until August the 6th the police actually did a thorough search. So this is a whole two days later. Kind of would have thought they would have done that on the day. They uh, confiscated the sister's clothing, clothing even, and um, they took the broken-handled hatchet head, which obviously they'd found days before. So uh, why, why it takes them so long, I'm not quite so sure. And it's on this evening that the police, along with the mayor of this uh, Fall River, I think it is, visited the Bordens and they informed Lizzie that she was considered the suspect in the, the murders. 
And there, I think one of the reasons why for this was was that she had a lot to gain in a way. There was a lot of money to be gained. Her and Emma yeah. would inherit a lot of money. I mean, with this kind of preemptive stuff as well, you wouldn't do it just on a whim because you're thinking of maybe robbing the place or something silly. You know, it would have to be some deeper sort of motivation to it and... She has it, man. She yeah. has the reason for it. She's got she's got the reason for the stepmother and the father in a way, so I mean they both pissed her off. Didn't yeah. They? So kill two birds with one stone, get the money. Yeah. It's certainly like you certainly feel the sense that her father had slighted her somewhat, I think. So yeah. She she's quickly becomes one of the prime suspects. Although John Morse was considered for a little while. Um, a suspect because he stayed over and this was one of the first times he'd stayed over he never really stayed over before and it just so happens that the first time he stays over his ex-brother-in-law happens to get murdered so huh. some people suggested there's something a bit strange in that well that would be the obvious thing and i i wouldn't be surprised if lizzie had taken advantage of that yeah you know because it's all usually sometimes you see something that's obviously quite suspicious is probably a distraction from what is the actual reason, you know? Yeah. I mean, he didn't have any reason to any reason to stand to gain anything, right? So... Mm. So it's... Yeah, I mean, there's no way he would have inherited anything. So the only motivation he would really have was some kind of revenge, I guess, if he felt that his sister's memory had been insulted or something like that. But yeah. I, it's not I don't, It's not quite as convincing, I think, as Lizzie's motive, so... True, yeah. Um, I don't know whether possibly he might have helped. He might have felt a sympathy for Lizzie and kind of helped her out, maybe. But it's hard to say. So, yeah, um, Lizzie did actually go to trial for the murder. But there are lots of problems. Lizzie had burned one of the dresses of, the, I think, her stepmother in the stove. So mm-hmm. that was burning evidence. So Already that's suspicious. Yeah, that meant there was some crucial evidence that the trial couldn't use. Also, um, uh, the, a lot of the forensic evidence was very poor. There was nothing really convincing to actually associate the murder with Lizzie. He, the ha- hatchet head couldn't even be convincingly actually shown to be the murder weapon. So the prosecutors argue that the killer must have removed the handle because it was bloody. And one police officer did testify that a hatchet handle had been found near the hatchel head, but another officer contradicted this. So already there's kind of contradictions within police officer testimony. So it's not looking too good at the moment for the defence, for the prosecution even. Fucking police, mate. Yeah. <laughs> also, Bridget Sullivan's testimony wasn't considered too convincing in some ways. Like, um, she'd apparently, when she'd gone to let Andrew Sullivan in, uh, Andrew uh, Borden in when he'd got back from his morning walk, and apparently she'd heard Lizzie Borden laugh at the top of the stairs or something. Now, Lizzie Borden claims she, she wasn't at the top of the stairs, and there's a whole thing about how this Bridget Sullivan just happened to have a nap on this day. It's kind of interesting to some people. They suggest that suggests she might be a bit guilty as well. But also what I was thinking was Lizzie Bourne seemed very keen to get Bridget Sullivan to go out to this department store sale. So I was wondering whether she kind of wanted, if she did do the murder, whether she wanted 
Bridget Sullivan out of the way and just had to, when she wouldn't go because she felt tired or ill, she just had to make do with the fact that this Bridget was having a nap. So, so she was at least out of the way to some degree. Yeah. But she just seemed very keen to get Bridget out of the house, which I think, for me, is a little bit suspicious. So, yeah. Interestingly, there had been another axe murder nearby uh, shortly before the trial. Unfortunately, the perpetrator was shown to have been out of the country when the Bordens were killed, so they couldn't relate this one to that. But it's kind of interesting, in a way. Yeah, was this guy convicted then? Um, I think he was eventually, yeah. Mm. But I think he'd been out of the country. So whether he'd escaped or something like that at some point. Or whether he was just travelling, <laughs> murder or something. Now, the evidence about Lizzie trying to purchase this highly poisonous acid, um, they couldn't actually use that because it was considered too remote to actually have any connection. Which is interesting because she actually tried to buy this on the day before the murders. It was a day before the murders yeah. as well. And they don't consider this, what did you say? It's, well, what it says here is too remote in time. So it's too long ago, isn't it, basically? Oh my God, really? Yeah, that that's, I, it seems weird, that one. A day ago. Yeah. What are these people acting like? These policemen are more criminal than the actual uh, criminals themselves. It's like they're passing it up deliberately or something. It's almost if they don't want it to be, kind of. Yeah. They don't want to find the murderer. There is a reason, possibly, for that, and I'll come to it slightly later on. Oh, yeah? Which, uh, which is kind of talked about. Another interesting fact about this trial was that um, the mysterious illness that had struck the household before the murders meant that the um, Andrew and Abby's stomachs had been removed and they were tested for poison. And with uh, the limited forensic or autopsic technology they had, they were able to determine that there was no poison. But again, as I was saying, uh, autopsies weren't necessarily as thorough or as able to scientifically as good as they are now. So whether the acid might not have been found and it could have been there, we don't know. But it, to be fair, if you're going to poison, if you're going to kill someone, you don't poison them and then kind of axe them to death. So I think you just stick with one rather than just do both. Uh, the victims' heads were removed during autopsies, and the skulls were actually used as evidence upon trial during the trial, which I kind of find interesting. <laughs> got a rather macabre kind of Definitely, yeah. side to it. Um, apparently, Lizzie fainted upon seeing them. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure if you saw your parents' skull at kind of a... It's not trial. a nice thought. Yeah, and I think this is considered slightly important for some reason. Some people believe this was a sign of her innocence, that you wouldn't faint if you were, if you were guilty. You'd be, you'd be too cold-hearted to faint at the sight of that. So... Yeah, apparently the, the prosecution had used the skulls <laughs> because they were so lacking in forensic evidence and it was seen as a bit of a desperate attempt to find any evidence. And this whole fainting kind of thing with Lizzie was also... The defence team used it really well to explain her kind of contradictory testimony by suggesting that that she was just very confused at the time when her parents had been murdered. So they suggested by the fact that she'd found her parents murdered that that, that had an impact on her and it, therefore her testimony wasn't really dependable because she was in emotional shock, which is kind of 
I can kind of believe that. It's it's not uh, unusual, I guess. And, yeah, apparently um, the the whole trial, it took just 90 minutes for the jury of 12 men to return a verdict of not guilty. But it's been suggested that because she was a woman, and because back then, in particular, women women considered the fairer sex, and it's, um, it's considered that just a lot of people just thought a woman couldn't do that kind of thing. You know, female murder is quite rare in these days, or what you heard, they're quite rare. So there's a suggestion that particularly this, like, jury of 12 men, but just might not have believed her capable of doing such a thing because she was a woman. So that is one reason why it suggested she managed to kind of get off and why perhaps even the police officers, they might have not liked her attitude, but might have considered it not possible for her to have done this. I just, I don't know what to believe, to be honest. I mean, I know all my opinions are behind the one person that we have all this information about. At the same time, though, like, I know she, was me- she wasn't mentally stable, but you still think she would have maybe hid it better or something. Yeah. Then, then you've got the police that are just bumbling everywhere, you know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I've, I'm going to be boring, and I think Lizzie Borden is the murderer. No, there's nothing boring about it. That's how what I feel. That's what I feel. Yeah. But it's interesting that she, she managed to get away with this, and if she did murder him, and... Uh, so, yeah, the trial took place in 1893, and she lived until 1927. So she lived another 34 years, I think that is. Her life was blighted by it slightly in that she was always quite a media sensation after that. And, uh, yeah, she was ostracised in the Fall River community where she lived for the rest of her life. She also eventually... Um, fell out with her sister Emma over a relationship Lizzie had with an actress. So she she was gay as well? Yeah, there's a, consider, yeah, consider a bit of a, a lesbian. And this is actually important for one of the theories of why Lizzie might have been the murderer was that Ed McBain, who's actually a famous author, I think he's a crime author, I think I'd heard of him somewhere before, um, he's a quite a big crime fiction writer in America. He suggested that um, Lizzie committed the murders after being caught in a lesbian tryst with a maid. Oh! So that, that's kind of, uh, you know... The plot gets thickened. Particularly in a religious community as well. That got quite Jeez, a reaction. Yeah. Oh, that's like a film. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, one problem that I think with this theory is that McBain considers that Lizzie killed Mrs. Borden with a candlestick, which it doesn't... I mean, the autopsy seems to suggest it was a, like a, a hatchet, really, so there's not much similarity between a hatchet and a candlestick. Well, what, what was he going on with? Why what, what did he get, have to go on with that? I don't know. I bet, I bet it was bloody her. I bet she did it with a bloody candlestick yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it, to me, like, candlestick just sounds like Cleo to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's such a British way to die yeah. as well. Yeah, apparently she confessed this to her father, but he re- re- reacted to this revelation exactly the same as Mrs. Borden, and she got a bit enraged and just got one of the hatchets and apparently killed him with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, in, that's, that's uh, intolerance with the gloves off, I suppose. Yeah. And basically, the maid, of being Bridget, McBain believed Bridget was complicit in this and that she helped dispose of the hatchets and sometimes like this. He, I suppose he's trying to account for the fact of Bridget being at home still. 
so she's there. So it's possible in a way, I guess. But I'm not convinced by that one, to be honest. Another theory of why Lizzie might have murdered her father was that there's a suggestion that she may have been physically and sexually abused by him. But that's that's pretty hard to kind of prove. And this is one that's been particularly put forward later on in time. So it's one you can't really prove. So can't really comment on that one. And yet again, we come to a mystery that we can't quite solve ourselves. Yeah. Only relay the information. Mm. But yeah, but apparently there there is um, incest is considered one of the big theories for this. Oh, even better. Yeah, so incest makes everything interesting, I find. And no wincest, maybe, you know, with the sister. Yeah, possibly. Oh, hey. That, that's quite threesome. Uh, a big old American orgy yep. in England. <laughs> Some people actually believe Bridget Sullivan may have actually been the murderer herself. Because she, you know, she was in the house at the same time, so she could still be a suspect. Well, I'm not convinced. There's not really. I don't. I don't see why she would do it. To be honest, apparently she made a deathbed confession. It's not confessing to the murder, but she did confess that she changed her testimony to protect Lizzie. This perhaps supports Ed McBain's theory about a lesbian tryst, but I don't. I'm not convinced by that one personally. Apparently, Andrew Borden possibly had a legitimate son who may have tried and failed to extort money from his father. But again, there's very little evidence for this one, as far as we can tell. Um, I don't even know whether this William Borden existed, possibly. I mean, I haven't been able to really research that detailed, so whether he existed or not. As I mentioned, Emma Borden interested. She had an alibi. But some people have suggested that she may have managed to secretly get back to Fall River to commit the murders and return to Fairhaven, where she was staying, to receive the telegram informing her of the murders. That seems quite elaborate. Sounds like a plot to some film or something like that to me. I'm not convinced by that one. I'm not sure myself, actually. Yeah, I think you'd get noticed, I think, somehow. Definitely. Uh, That again, that again, people don't seem to... uh notice unordinary things and think to report them these day, in these days, so... Yeah, so, yeah, there's definitely strange things. It's not out of the question, I suppose, it could happen. Yeah, I suppose Emma and Lizzie could have had some pact to kill their parents, I guess. Mm. And then one of them got greedy and said, I'm going to off her instead. Yeah. Now, uh, John Morse, as I suggested earlier, he was actually considered a bit of a suspect because he had business arrangements with Andrew. And is believed they may have possibly been a bit tense. And the fact that he'd stayed over this murder has just happened to have happened. So, uh, but there's no no one's really put forward a particular convincing theory as to why he would have murdered Andrew. So, I think that's pretty much the theories there. But this uh, murder did kind of become folklore in a way, in a way, because there was a folk rhyme based on the murder. And it goes, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Um, <laughs> now, it's factually inaccurate, as someone, uh, as an article pointed out, but it's kind of a testament to how this murder kind of caught on, really. Yeah, it's so deeply rooted in the community. Yeah. Now, you know, um, it's so deeply rooted in the community, you can actually stay 
at Lizzie, the Lizzie Borden House, which is a bread and breakfast museum. It's not haunted, supposedly, is it? Uh, possibly. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. But, like, they do, they do an annual dramatisation of the events and everything like that. Oh, brilliant. You can even enjoy the same breakfast the family shared on the morning. Get a bit of food poisoning. Yeah, which sounds great. <laughs> no, that sounds brilliant, yeah. mate. If I could stay in their bed, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so people are still fascinated by that and... It's the actual house as well, which is... Like, it's not like a house down the same street. It's the actual house, which... Because usually those like, houses get knocked down or something like that. Yeah, unless it's made some, into some sort of national community treasure or something. Yeah, but um, researchers at some Fall River Historical Society are still trying to, to trying to work out who murdered this, you know, Andrew Borden Abbey. But there's, not, there's just so little to go on. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Pretty much, yeah. So in the end, it's quite a quick, essentially quite an English murder. Yeah, in a way, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. God, I find that quite thoroughly entertaining. Thank you for telling me about that, actually. Yeah, it's a slightly weird one. Like, I, I like the whole lesbian interest. I don't know why. But it's kind of, it adds an interesting kind of side to it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was Lizzie Borden, but I suppose it could have been someone else, but... Uh, we'll never know at this point, unless we get the finest of fine forensics yeah, ever. Yeah, but it, it sounds like I, like... I do like the whole idea of, like, it's this strange family, mm-hmm. in a way. Then again, we finally found out Jack the Ripper's real identity from, like, a, what, a cloth? So yeah. This has a lot more evidence to it, unless it was all destroyed. Um, yeah. You never know, you never know, mate. Yeah. I, I, I do like these stories of, like, skeletons in the closet. Yeah, I do. And I love a good family feud as well. Always great. Yeah. It makes you feel more appreciative of where you are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I haven't got any more to add, I don't think. Mm. Well, I'm I, I pretty much the same. I've been a bit bare this episode, I must admit. Yeah. But I think it's safe to say, you know, that... Ooh, uh, I, did, I did actually forget to mention one thing. Oh, yeah? One, one of the reasons why they believe there's so little evidence uh, is that they believe Lizzie may have murdered her father and her stepmother naked as to avoid getting blood on her clothes. Oh. Freaky. So she came in naked? Yeah. Oh, that is creepy. That's kind of clever, though. That's clever, but it's freaky as hell, mate. Yeah. Uh, To be honest, if someone kind of came up to me naked with a kind of hatchet, I would be a little bit disturbed. Yeah. And the only thing that would make it even more smart would be if she'd uh, use a piece of food to kill him. Yeah. You know, and then then ate the evidence or something. Yeah. I'd definitely be disturbed, but slightly turned on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, uh, oh, you're going to kill me, so uh, how about one more quickie before we go? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, not not to your daughter, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's at all. Unless, unless it really was that kind of incestuous scat thing. Going. Yeah. I can, I can imagine it being like that, because some parts of... Well, some parts of Britain are like that, but some parts of America had that kind of thing going on. Just make sure you find out if the pigeons belong to someone in future. Yeah. You know? So that's Lizzie Borden. Yeah, lovely story. Well, lovely story. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. I think I sleep lovely tonight. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll end it there. I think that's a good place to leave it. Mm. Well, it was it was nice to see you guys today. Uh, nice to be back as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose we should say that they can contact us on social media and stuff like you that. You can. Adults Deduction Twitter. You can even go onto the Facebook as well. You're feeling a little bit more personal. 
And, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sure one of us will uh, love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Yeah, you can send us your used underwear and stuff like that. And your mixtape of all our mistakes over the past year. Yeah, we love to hear that kind of stuff. Mm, I love them. Yeah. Anyway, I'm signing off now, so I'll see you all later, viewers. Cheerio. Bye-bye.